0: What's going on, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Philly Experience podcast. My name is Max Spredzula, joined by Tanner Gomar and an entire hood. Coming off a rough night of Philadelphia sports, a Phillies loss and a Sixers loss, we both have to get to. I'm uh, sick of this. And I got to tell you what. I, before we introduce the topic, I want to see how you guys are doing um before we get to the reactions, of course, and. You know, we, we had the Sixers lost, and then, you know, three hours later, we had the Phillies lost because they're out west. So, uh, it's ridiculous. You know, how are you guys doing? How was the week? I mean, it started off well, of course, but uh, I guess uh, I feel like every time we hop on the pod, it's something where it's a ne- it's a negative result. The, 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 mo- recent, the most recent thing ha- always has to be something negative. I don't know why.
1: I was perfectly fine until you brought up the fact that, you know, the only two Philly teams that are currently playing right now lost last night. So, you know, I was perfectly fine up to that point. So, thanks for bringing that up.
2: You know, it's only been a week since our last show, but it feels like forever for some reason. It's not like a lot of stuff has been going on, but it just feels like a lot of sports uh, has been on with the playoffs and everything. And even the, you got the uh, the semifinals, Stanley Cup and and all that stuff, too. Um, I was at my buddy's house and we were just flipping through was the Phillies game. Um, you got hockey going on and then back to the playoffs, uh, rotation of sports, but yeah, Max, you're right. I mean, it it always has to be something negative going in the show, but then when T starts talking about it the next day, something good happens with that. So let's keep that rotation going.
0: (laughs) I agree. I don't know what it is because, you know, we hop off the podcast and then it feels like the next two, three days. All right. Like Phil's specifically last week, you know, they get hot against the Braves. They get hot against the Yankees. And of course they drop the one to the Dodgers um the other night but i gotta start here with the sixers of course that's the fresh topic that's everybody's talking about here in philadelphia right now the sixers uh playing the atlanta hawks and again a team where we talk about game one um they kind of came out and punched us in the mouth of course we went down one uh one nothing come back win the next two games solid look really good even without danny green in game three for the most part we looked hot we look we looked ready to roll and especially on the road too really impressive and then we come out and we drop game four to, by by three points, 103 to 100. And Joel Embiid shoots four of 20 from the field. He shot 0-12 in the second half. I think a lot of the blame has to be put on his shoulders just because of his performance. But again, there's there's great players in this league. Everybody has a time where they don't you know perform at their best. And unfortunately, that game four was one of those times where no one seemed to really step up for the Sixers and really help out Joel Embiid. We always talk about here on this podcast, Ben Simmons, Sometimes he gets praise. Sometimes he gets hate. I think this is one of those times where he's going to get some hate just because of the fact he really only took one shot. He took one single shot in the entire second half of that game. He didn't step up at all. And this is a guy who's getting paid, what, $170, million, $180 million to really be one of our star players. He talks about wanting to be an all-star. He's a great defensive player. We know that. But when your all-star, all-star, your true all-star is playing uh, a poor basketball game, you really need somebody else to step up there. And if it's not going to be Tobias Harris – You really have to look at Ben Simmons, and he was really nowhere to be found the other night.
1: You know what? What what more is there to say about Ben Simmons that hasn't already been said on this podcast? Everybody else from sports radio and things of that nature. Like, what really what else is there to be said that this man like Ben Simmons needs to step up? And that's and that's period point blank. And there's no getting around that. Look, it's it's infuriating. From the basic standpoint of this is a guy who's 6'10", 225, 230 pounds, he can get anywhere on the court that he wants so he can score at will. If he wants to put his impact on the game, he will. However, because of the simple fact that, you know, he's not confident in that jump shot, because of the fact that he can be very lackadaisical on the, on the offensive side of the ball, we're going to continue to have games like this. We're going to continue to have complaints like this. And there's no getting around it. And I'm sorry. Yes, I'm going to attack Ben Simmons again. Yes. I, yes, I am. One from five from the free throw line. Free throw line. Free throw line. Listen, keyword in there. Free. F-R-E-E. Free. Which means those shots are uncontested. All right? It's you, the basketball, and the dog doggone rim. All right? Put the ball in. In the damn rim. I don't understand for the life of me what is what is the issue with this man from the free throw line. If this man hits, <laughs> this man hits three of those free, th- free throw lines, shots, tie game. One more, winner. All I'm saying is free throw lines count at the end of the game. He did not step up. Now I understand Joel and B. He did not step up as as Max alluded to. Four from twenty from the field. Not a very good staff for Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid is still nursing that meniscus in his knee, so I don't expect him. And you know what? I don't expect all the pressure to be on Joel Embiid time and time again, and it shouldn't be. You know, and you know what? Doc Rivers kind of sort of alluded to that a little bit. Uh, I believe they kind of, in my opinion, watching the game, they kind of got away from. The team basketball that we're used to, and Doc Rivers kind of kind of expressed that in the press conference. Yeah, I actually have the clip of it right here. Hold on, like it. it
0: Second half is kind of stuck. Um, yeah. What, what do you think? What, what do you think was the cause for that?
2: We stopped passing. Um, you know, I thought that we started the game off that way. Then we got back in the ball movement. Then we went back to um, hero basketball.
1: You know, basically everybody. Wanted to be the hero instead of just trusting the team, trusting each other. Um, So when you do that, you usually lose,
2: especially when the other team outworks you the whole game.
1: Like he even went went as far as to cuss, and I don't blame him for it. I don't. Like it's infuriating. It really is because this team is better than the way they played last night. I mean, to hardly put up any shots in the second half. And they were dominating them in the first half. It was to the point where a lot of people in the first half started tuning out from the Sixers, me included. Like, I started flip-flopping back and forth between games because in the first half, I'm like, okay, this, this they got this on the wrap. They're going to bring it home. Game five, close it out, get on to the next round. But now instead, the series is tied. Now that not only did they got to come back home and win, they had to go back to Atlanta and win there or push it to a game seven. Now you're playing extra games that you don't necessarily have to. You're putting more stress on your players, in particular Joel Embiid, because of the fact you did not close out last night.
2: Yeah. There were a few guys who were not on their game, and that that was clear. But the main reason the Sixers lost this game was Joel Embiid, and I'm not blaming him because of his torn meniscus. He he was still playing good on that um, meniscus the game before. But when Joel Embiid has an off game. It's almost worse as compared to if he's just sitting on the bench, not playing because the, the team for some reason does not rally around Joel and the way they should. Ben Simmons isn't going to step up. We've already seen that Tobias Harris needs to be the guy that says, you know what guys, give me the ball. I'm stepping up. But yeah, Ben Simmons, he can have off games and he certainly does. And the Sixers still win those games but Embiid was not playing the way he usually plays again that's because of injury you can't really put the you can't really blame him for that but still the reason the Sixers lost was because of Joel Embiid and the Hawks took advantage of that and I hope that he's able to recover and I do believe if the Sixers won this game he would not be playing the next game and because of rest which would be needed but for Ben Simmons to play the way he does constantly at the free throw line, especially just leaving points out there, Um, not able to to secure those free throws and, and get the points necessary. And then this team loses by three points. You got to look at that in the stat line. You got to notice that he is hurting the team when he's on the court in those crucial minutes of the game. You just want to take him out because if he gets the ball, they're fouling him. He's hitting the line and zero points fall. And I mean, it's frustrating to see that this team, we know they can play better Um, as fans. We watch them all the time. We know that this team is better. And so what Danny green didn't play. Um, he, He was off. Uh, his game the game before and I just think that it was more so that the Sixers lost this game than, than the Hawks won it
0: definitely frustrating I agree with you in part because when you look at the box score and watch the game everything seems to line up from what we've seen from this team in the regular season and even early on in the playoffs when you look at as far as points go for certain players so Harris gives you 20 points pretty much what he's been on average almost to the exact mark on the season Seth Curry with 17 points, pretty solid game from Seth Curry. I mean, other than that one occasional, you know, 25 to 30 point outburst, that's kind of what you expect. The bench chipped in for the most part and did their thing. I know Maz had 10 10 points in, in a starting role because Danny Green's hurt and uh, 10 points in 25 minutes, it is what it is, two or five from three. But when you look at what changed, you know, what are we missing? Why did we only score 100 points? What piece to the puzzle wasn't there? It is Joel Embiid, of course, only scoring 17 points and 21 rebounds. You expect him to score, you know, that 30 to 35 like he's uh, usually or he usually does and we're all accustomed to his fans, but he just wasn't there last night. And again, like I said, people are going to have off games. You just have to have somebody else step up and be able to score the basketball for you. The thing that I'm not going to overreact to is I still think we're the better team than the Atlanta Hawks. It's frustrating that this game is going to go or this series is going to go six games at the least, possibly seven, depending on, what happens in game five and six. I'm confident we still have home court advantage two out of these three games. I don't think we're going to lose game five at home. I just don't see how that's possible. And you got to you gotta give the Hawks credit. I mean, this is a team where we kind of overlooked, I guess, at least some people did. I didn't. I didn't think that we were going to win this game in a sweep, maybe not even five games. In fact, I thought it was going to be Sixers in five or six. Um, and I think now, because we saw what the team's capable of in game three, I think that really... Changed some people's opinions because of how dominant we looked even without Danny Green for the most part we thought okay let's just beat this team in five games of course it's not that easy in the playoffs and the Atlanta crowd a little bit louder than I thought of course in game three than in, in game four I get or excuse me in game four than in game three because that 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 second half surge especially late in the fourth quarter that they had they just outworked the Sixers I think Doc Rivers said it even in part of your clip T they were able to really use John Collins and his energy I mean, that guy can jump higher than anybody else on that court. And he, when there's a rebound up for grabs, nine times out of ten, he's going to come away with it if it's if it's uh, you know a 50-50 opportunity. But at the end of the day, I think Doc Rivers is still doing a pretty good job as far as coaching. There's rotations. I know Danny Green usually plays 30 minutes a game. It's hard to replace that. But at the end of the day, I'm still confident in this team. And, of course, when you look at the opposite side of the coin with the Bucks and the Nets with the injuries that the Nets are now dealing with, I think – we really need to step up and show that we are obviously the more dominant team i want to see the sixers win these next two games in a row and what i really want to do is also those three guys their shooting is i'm not going to say it's underrated but i think people need to realize how great how good of shooters those three guys really are and they're built like a true nba basketball team they have a solid point guard in trey young they can spread the floor with shooters john collins is almost one of those tweeners where he's athletic enough to play big to play a big role as a power forward. But what I'm surprised with him specifically in his game is being able to stretch it and shoot that three. You know, because he's he's really, you know, he's hit some big shots for the Hawks in this series from beyond the arc, which I'm not ex- I'm not expecting him to hit, at least coming into the series. If even if he gets an open look, I'm saying, okay, he's not the best three point shooter. I'd much rather have him shoot possibly than Trey Young. And then Clint Compella, give the guy credit I'm not really a big fan of him, especially you know him coming over from the Houston Rockets. Now he plug and he plugs himself into the starting lineup there at center for the Hawks. They really didn't have a bench, and I thought that's one thing that we you know clearly still have a better um, you know I guess depth than they do overall because you know they're bringing Lou Williams off the bench. Not too many guys. Solomon Hill, of course, another another one to mention there. Not too many scary players that they bring off of that bench, and I think this team really needs to step up and and again. I don't want to harp on this too much because you know Game Four is in the past, but it, it really it, it eats at us, I believe, as as Philadelphia and Sixers fans specifically, because this game this or the series now has to go six games, and I just think we're we're better than this team, and, and I don't really want to play too many more games with them. I just want to go out there and and win. I think if if this thing goes seven, it's very nerve wracking because you have a Bucks team that looks like they're in the driver's seat now, and we know for a fact. They're a better team than the Atlanta Hawks, and if Kyrie and Harden are not able to come back and really help out that Brooklyn squad, the Nets, or excuse me, the Bucks, might be looking at a pretty easy trip to the uh, NBA Finals. And again, like like Tanner, and even this last week when we mentioned, we don't want to we don't want to overreact one game, but this is two now. I think it's specifically because of the fact that we thought this team was going to win in five or six games, and again, people will point fingers at us and say, "Hey, listen." It's one game. Don't get overreactionary and things like that. But this thing's tied two two, and I don't really think it should be.
1: It shouldn't be tied two two. It really shouldn't. As a matter of fact, we should really be talking about a victory in the next game. We shouldn't. It should not have gotten to this point. Yeah. All right. It, it really shouldn't. They they overlooked the they overlooked the Hawks in game one. That was problem yeah. on number one. Then they got themselves together and they realized okay we know how to we know we can beat this team. We're better than this team. We have more talent than this team. So they went out and they executed for two games. And then this past game, all right, they just dropped the ball. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. So now 18
0: point lead, T. You know, they're up eighteen right, points. That's exactly. another thing. You know, they're up eighteen points. I don't think if we don't take our foot off the gas, we'll blow that team out of the water. I really do. I believe that.
1: And that's exactly my point. Like you had this team dead in the water. You've got to finish these teams off. Listen, this is not this is not the regular season. This is the playoffs. All right, this is do or die time. All right, this isn't time to be relaxed. This isn't time to start coasting. You don't have time to coast. There is no game during the playoffs where you're going to be able to coast. You've got to play night in and night out, all right? Hard. Hunt give a 1000% effort every single play. Do not start getting lazy. Do not start coasting. It almost reminded me of Brett Brown. Almost Brett Brown coaching in the Brett Brown under Brett Brown's team. Like seriously, it it, it truly did. It felt like oh my gosh, is, is Brett Brown really on the sidelines at this point? And Doc Rivers has every right to be pissed off. He does. Like, I, I don't blame him at all. They complete. This is not on the coaching. The players completely blew this game. And now you have to play an, an, an additional game in which you're going to have to come back here to Philly and – play them, win, then go back to Atlanta and win. Otherwise, you're forcing that game seven. And it's like you said, you really don't want to play seven games against this team where you can easily finish them off when you've got the rest and get ready for, it looks like it's going to be the Milwaukee Bucks.
2: Right, we understood the stakes going into Atlanta. Those two games, we we as fans knew that this team needed to at least split uh, those two games. And come the second game, after easily handling them the first, game back in, in in Atlanta this second game we saw the potential of maybe just winning both games and we got a little greedy but it's still the, the series is is not out yet the Sixers are in my opinion still in the driver's seat even though the series is tied the Sixers are a better team than the Hawks Trey Young he was locked up these last couple of games Matter of fact, and that's really frustrated.
1: he looked frustrated last game he truly in the first half yeah like, yeah. yeah.
2: And the Sixers, that, that's exactly what they needed to do. Um, their strategy on that w- was great, but it, it's just uh, the the stars on this team are not playing like the stars. And that, that's, that's what I have to say about that is Ben Simmons is not playing like a star. He hasn't really been this whole playoffs. He had a good game, but for Ben Simmons to hit the free throw line, miss those shots consistently game after game, I don't know if he's, I mean, I would like to think that he actually is going to the gym and practicing his free throw, but it doesn't, there's no improvement. There's no improvement. It, it's they foul him to go to the line. Cause they know he's going to miss it. And that's, what's hurting the Sixers as well as, and beads hurt Tobias. Isn't really stepping up to be that guy either. I'm going to
0: bring you guys up and ask you guys, I, I want to bring this up and ask you guys this question before uh, we kind of transition to around the NBA, of course, in the playoffs. You have this team right now, Ben Simmons, with Joel Embiid assembled. And I think one of the big things that we've you know, grown accustomed to over these years as Sixers fans with these two guys is, is there going to be a time where it gets to the breaking point and everything needs to get blown up. And when I say blown up, I don't mean change the entire roster, but trade away one of these superstars. I think it's getting to that point. I even kind of touched on it in the last episode um, from last week. You know, If this team doesn't reach the finals, I think this is probably one of those years where you can be looking at a Ben Simmons trade. And I think from fans, we're not stupid. We understand what's going on here. I'm sure Daryl Morey feels the same way, even though he says him and Doc Rivers both say that Ben Simmons is, you know, one of these crazy talents. And again, he is to some degree. But um, uh, and again, I think I, I I gave to you I gave you the football reference last week, right? Mm. Where we always have to be that defensive team. We always have to be that defensive minded team that you know can really suffocate the opposing um, you know roster of whoever we're playing. And it's getting to a point where. Not only am I sick and tired of having the plays as a defensive-minded team, I think that NBA is just transitioning into one of these uh, leagues where you need to have some offensive firepower. And the Sixers, other than Joel Embiid, don't have a guard that really can go off and give you an explosive game. And that's kind of where the football analogy comes in because you have those explosive offenses, specifically the Kansas City Chiefs, that are able to really get the job done and put up 40 points a game. And the Sixers hold a team in the Atlanta Hawks to 103 points, which isn't terrible at all. They only score hundred because when their star player and Joel Embiid doesn't give you 40 to 30 to 40 points a game, that's when the Sixers are in trouble and it shouldn't be that way. You should have another guy or two to really be able to step up and carry the load. I, so when you think, uh, go ahead, I, I just wanted to, I just wanted to kind of come full circle and ask you guys and bring up the Damian Lillard situation because he obviously wants out of Portland. I think we can all agree actually thought Jason Kidd was going to come in there and be the head coach, but he backed out of it because Damian Lillard went public with that situation. He's 30 years old, I think 31 now. Is it too late to really trade for Damian Lillard because of his age and give up a star like Ben Simmons, or is it? am I overreacting? And I think I just got to be a little bit, uh, you know, I guess, less aggressive because, again, this is coming off a sixer loss, and we can easily go on to the conference finals still at this point.
1: I mean, saying this just after a loss where I think in this series they are going pull to pull it out and win, um, yes. But from a futuristic standpoint of view, because I just don't see this team – even making it to the finals at this point like I don't see them being able yeah. to beat Brooklyn I don't be I don't see them being able to beat Milwaukee all right so I, I just don't think this Sixers team is going to the finals now from that standpoint of view do I think um that a, a, an offensive move a drastic move needs to be made yes and it's the reason's why I said in the episode either a week or a week or two ago and that was look you only have a a, a little bit of a window with Joel and at this point you do. And a, a, a talent like Joel Embiid only comes around once in the blue moon. And, look, if you get a superstar like Damian Lillard, an offensive superstar that's out there that wants to get out and that wants a new environment and that wants a championship and you can put him on this team, oh, yeah, that's going to make a hell of a difference. Look, you got to do what you got to do. I'm sorry. But there's no it, there's, there's been no proven from Ben Simmons. It, it, it hasn't, man. I've almost had it up to here. I'm gonna be honest with you. Like I'm almost I'm I'm almost ready to say I'm done with Ben Simmons. Like I'm I'm getting to that point now. Like I know me and Chris, you know, many episodes ago were being dramatic when we said, you know, when we said what we said, but you know, at that time, we still liked Ben Simmons. I can definitely speak for myself, saying I definitely still liked Ben Simmons at that point, and I expected him to grow, and I expected him to mature, and I expected his game to grow. However, it has not come to fruition at this point, and now he's costing me games. He's costing me possible a possible championship, and uh-huh. I can't, I can't deal with that anymore. I'm sorry. Like he, he yes, do what you got to do. Do what you got to do to make this team a championship-caliber team. And if that means increasing the offense, then so be it. Listen, we have defensive we have defensive parts on this team. We still have Danny Green when he's healthy. And Matisse Thybulle is really coming up yep. to his own. As a matter of fact, he just got named to the second all-defensive team in the NBA. Like, that's a hell of an accomplishment. That tells you how good of a defensive player Matisse Thybulle is. So, it's not like we don't have guys on the squad that can lock down perimeter guys. We do. So, keeping Ben Simmons just strictly for defense and, and playmaking ability – it's not going to cut it anymore in my book.
2: Yeah. And T you mentioned the, um, the all defensive team with three players and that that's the, with um, Embiid Simmons and and Fiebel. That's the first time. That's the second time in franchise history since what was it? Cheeks Jones. And uh, I think it was Malone Mm -hmm. who did it in like the eighties. And, this team has talent we all know this but i think time on ben simmons is running out and i i don't disagree with you uh t ben simmons has not stepped up like he should we're all waiting for that jump shot that's running out of time to come i mean he's what 24 years old he's young damian lillard is 30 years old and for me if a trade would to happen, the Sixers would have to get more than just Damian little oh, of course, for it, obviously. Well, and I think I think if you're talking about trading either it's Embiid or Simmons, you would have to go with Simmons because you can get more for Ben Simmons than Joel Embiid because of um his injury history and all that. I think that Ben Simmons is definitely a talented player and he can be one of the best players in this league, but I think that you you bring Damian Lillard in, obviously that boosts the scoring up like 100% because it's Dame time. We know how he can play. We know how he he does with the crowds and how he does in crucial minutes of the game. And that's what the Sixers need. But I I think it would be interesting to see a, a trade proposal because I think the Sixers, even though they get Damian Lillard, I don't think that's all that would fix this team.
0: Well, there's so many different directions we can go with this. You have last night's game, specifically Joel Embiid looks tired, especially late in the fourth quarter. No one's really able to step up and surround him with some, you know, offensive, you know, ability to be able to put the ball in the basket. I think one of the things that the Sixers really are great at is getting to the foul line, especially when the other team's gaining some momentum. You throw it down to Embiid in the post, he gets to work one-on-one. If they double him, he can kind of rip through, maybe get fouled, kind of quiet the crowd, get to the line, get some rest and uh, shoot two free throws. But I guess just wasn't able to do that last night uh, as a team. And Tobias Harris, I thought really needed to step up. He's hot and cold specifically uh, the other night against the Hawks. He had a great first half. It was matching teams with three, three, you know, Trey Young came down, hit a three, Tobias answered right back. And late enough, again, the fourth, we talk about it all the time. It's way different. Ben Simmons can do what he wants to do in the regular season against the, the, the Hornets. He can do what he wants to do in the regular season against the Orlando Magic. But when it gets to be series, it get this is this is where the money's made. This is where you're on the biggest stage, the lights shine the brightest. I don't care about the regular season anymore. We've seen these two stars together throughout the previous seasons. I know it, Simmons got hurt in the bubble and things like that. At a rate, I think, up the scoring outburst. But at the end of the day, see, I have to agree with you. I think at this point, we just need to score the basketball. That's all. I, I, I just want to put up and be one of those teams that's able to put up more points because it's frustrating to see you hold the opposing team to 103, but you're just not able to get over that hump. And I think that's where the the firepower of the offensive firepower would really come into play and help us a ton going forward. Because obviously the ultimate goal is winning a championship, and at, at this point, and I agree with you guys, I just I don't think we're there uh, or even as close as I thought we were.
1: And, and you're absolutely correct because I, I, it's really a sin that you know, we would necessarily have to rely on a Tobias Harris to score. And the reality is that's just not who Tobias Harris is. Tobias Harris is a guy that's going to get you some points. He's going to contribute to the offensive end, at least 14 to 17 points. But to expect him to put up, you know, 20, 25 points tonight that's just not who Tobias Harris is. All right. These players are who they are and we need to expect that they are going to play according to who they are. So all that being said, Tobias Harris is not that offensive scorer that we can rely on in case Joel Embiid is not playing at his best, as we have seen the evidence of last night. All right. Ben Simmons is not the guy that we need to rely on on the offensive end because for multiple reasons, including his jump shot. So look, bring whatever offensive guy that you need to bring up in here. Do I Now, in my personal opinion, Max, I think you are absolutely correct in saying that Dame Lillard, uh, no, it was Tanner, that... Dame Lillard's not the only move that would need to be that would need to happen in order for this team to be successful. I do think they would need additional additional pieces. In particular, I've always said that I think that this bench could benefit from from um, some more reliable shooting coming from the bench. That's just me personally. Don't get me wrong. I honestly, the bench has stepped up in this series, and the bench is kind of half the reason why you know the Sixers are even the better team in this series. It's due to the way the bench has been playing. So don't get me wrong. You know, the bench has been playing great, but I just think that this bench can really benefit from having some additional shooters out there as well. Well,
0: two things, two things. One, you have Ben Simmons, uh, and one last note on him is the willingness. We've seen guys like Jason Kidd struggle from shooting coming into the league, Magic Johnson. I mean, you can go way back to whatever you want. Those guys eventually at some point were willing to be able to take the shot. Correct. Ben Simmons isn't even willing to take the shot. It's some sort of mental block for him. I don't understand it. I think at this point, I'm kind of just sick and tired of it that he doesn't want to shoot the basketball. And at at a certain point, he has to be willing to do so. But right now, the only thing I have with trying to get even more than Damian Lillard back from Portland is what we've seen recently. And I think you have to live in the moment. And right now, Damian Lillard's probably a top five player in the entire world, um, specifically because of what he can do offensively and what we've seen single-handedly against that Nuggets team. I know they didn't win the series, but he's, without Damian Lillard, the Portland Trailblazers really aren't anything to, you know, be worried about. So I think how much can you bank on Portland hoping that they can untap that, you know, Ben Simmons potential that just hasn't been there yet. He's only 24, like Tanner mentioned. How much can you bank on Portland from their side of things saying to themselves, all right, we'll give up Damian Lillard and then some for Ben Simmons because they think they can somehow just unlock Ben Simmons and his shot, I guess, not even from beyond the, the arc, just the jump shot in general. Because I don't think, at this point in time, I don't think you can call Portland and be like, hey, Ben for for Dame, straight up. Because I, I think they would probably hang up the phone on you just because Damian Lillard and what he's done recently has just been you know, out of this world.
1: I don't think they would necessarily hang up the phone, but I, I do think they would ask for more. Like there, was ha- there would have to be some more players involved. There would have to be some draft picks involved. I don't think they would hang up, but Ben Simmons would be a nice starting point.
0: That's what I'm saying, because I think, I, and I, I correct me if I'm wrong, because I thought that I thought Tanner specifically, did you say you think we could get Simmons for Dame and more? Or were you talking about negotiations between the two teams?
2: I was curious to see what the negotiations would be. Um, of course, this is all fantasy at this point. Yeah, But I think the Sixers, I think it wouldn't be – Ideal for the Sixers to just trade Ben Simmons for Damian Lillard because uh, obviously we mentioned how great Damian Lillard is, but that's six less years you're going to get with a, a star player. And I think if the Sixers maybe throw a package in there, because it's known that if you get rid of the contract of Scott and Danny Green, you have enough room to sign another star player. Maybe throw one of those guys in there. We're both. I don't know. Yeah. And if mean, not, not a star, somebody yeah.
0: close to a star.
2: right? Money aside, yeah. Get a playmaker, obviously. Mm-hmm. And that's what you need. I'm I'm fine with parting ways with Danny Green and, and Mike Scott. And Especially you get Mike Danny Scott. Green or you get Damian Lillard and uh, another bench piece, that's worth it to me.
1: Especially Mike let me, Scott. Let
2: me ask you okay. this
0: question, too. What the hell was the, the whole point of si- or trading for George Hill? I mean, that guy's utterly useless. I mean, we've seen him have a couple of nice games against the Wizards, right? He comes in there and chips in nine points. You're always a couple on your threes. back. But what the hell is he on the team for? I mean, we gave up Tony Bradley and whatever else for a guy that really hasn't even shown the ability to, one, be better than Shake Milton. And and even to some degree at times, Tyrese Maxey looks better. Low life. those guys are on cheap-ass contracts. So we're paying George Hill to come over in a trade, give up Tony Bradley, who I think, you know, you can laugh. You guys, whoever's listening, can laugh all you want. I thought Tony Bradley was a pretty goddamn good player for this team. And when he got the opportunity, What's now he's gone. Goal? We got George Hill for, what, three months uh, at, at an underperforming level. He's going to be gone at the end of this year anyway. I think it was a, it was a stupid trade. I'd rather have just, right. you know, if we could have given up, you know, Danny Green and whatever else for for Kyle Lowry at this point. The only guy I probably would say is off limits in the negotiations with Matisse Ibel. But I sure as hell rather have gotten more of a playmaker in Kyle Lowry for Danny Green, maybe a first or maybe even two first round picks to be able to come in here. Because I feel like if we, especially Danny Green goes down, I know you can't predict injuries, but if we had Kyle Lowry on this team right now and Danny Green and whatever else gone, what if you want to trade two first rounders? That would have been a hell of a lot better than George Hill contributing like, what is he getting in six, seven, eight minutes off the bench?
2: I mean, it's, yeah, just, it's really not worth it in my opinion. Yeah, Max, the, the good things about this trade is Money, first of all. And also, you have Tony Bradley here on the Sixers. But during that time when Joel Embiid was returning, Bradley wasn't going to see the court. Because right. Because you have Dwight Howard above him. Also, you bring in George Hill, a, a veteran who can, where Shake Milton can learn off of, or other players like maxi and stuff like that. And people like that who can learn off them. But I think the real main reason is is money. You're gonna pay this guy, Tony Bradley, to sit on the bench. It, it just I, I don't think he's getting paid that reason. much though. And I and I did make that you're he's right. He's getting ben. paid right oh, more he? than George Hill though. Okay.
0: Cause I cause I said back on the pod, maybe even you know, I guess a month or maybe even two at this point that that's exactly the great point that you made. Learn as much as you can from a veteran guy like George Hill who's been in the playoffs a bunch of times, been around the league play at a high level for a long period of time and just try to groom maxi and shake milton and try to get them better for the moment because these are two guys that i you know have faith in i think shake i always had confidence in shake as a player i just thought at this period in time he shouldn't be on the court based on you know his lack of play towards the end of the regular season then i think doc rivers realized that didn't give him too much play in time against the wizards until he had an explosion um and I, I forget how many points exactly he went off for at the end of the day it looks like him and Tyrese Maxey could be solid pieces off of this bench for the foreseeable future, and I think an adjustment needs to be made because even if we do get past the Hawks, this is kind of where I want to transition and talk about the Bucks and maybe even you know touch on the Phoenix Suns and, and their incredible run so far through the playoffs as well. Because I don't think we're going to be able to leapfrog at least the Bucks or maybe even the Nets for the next you know three to five years, depending to on if Kevin Durant and whoever and crew can stay healthy. Because you know that Drew Holiday, Giannis, and Chris Middleton—they ain't going nowhere for a long period of time. You're going to have to deal with that juggernaut there in Milwaukee for for the foreseeable future.
1: I agree with you on that statement, and I will say this: in terms of contract, Tony Bradley only made three point five, a little over three point five million dollars this past season. George Hill, sheesh! George Hill is making about nine point six million dollars this season, and that balloons up to ten million dollars. For the following season, so look, <laughs> man, that was a right. stupid contract. It,
2: it's not, it's not the contract and the guaranteed; it's the cap that I mean, it, it's the, the money that it puts on the team, salary-wise too. You're not going to have Tony. You're not going to have George Hill after this season. It's an expiring contract, yeah. Tony right. Brett. Right, exactly. That that's what goes into. It. There's a yeah. lot more, but that I, opens up. I definitely that, see, that, that right. opens up the ten mil is what you're saying, yeah. For yeah. next year, I mean, right.
1: yeah, yeah. So like it. <laughs> I, it was really no point in training for George Hill. Honestly, I, I, I'm not going to say that he's completely useless, but so far I'll away, stay.
0: I'll say he's completely. <laughs> but go ahead, you <laughs> have ahead.
1: you have on a numerous of occasions. But I will say this: I won't say it was completely useless. However, I will say that it probably benefited you to keep Tony Bradley more so than George Hill. Because to be honest with you, um, even though Shake was a little shaky, you know towards the end of the season and you know, some sort of some in some ways sorts in the playoffs, but he's really gotten himself together and he's still a point guard that you can play off the bench. So in terms of needing a point guard, you didn't necessarily need George Hill. All right. Now I understand experience is something that can't be taught. And I, I completely understand all that, but Tony Bradley was a guy that contributed and gave you energy off the bench time and time again, and you know that he was a reliable—he was a reliable source of energy for you, especially you know yeah. as a big man. You know um, he would spell Dwight Howard every once in a while, and look, there it, it was times he even played better than Dwight to be honest with you. So, it, it yeah, the George Hill thing I don't think worked out too well. Um, unfortunately, it looks right. like we're on the hook for him for another year or so, but. Uh,
0: We'll see. I mean, we'll see. I don't know how the contract works out as far as cutting him goes. And I think Tanner would be able to give us better information
2: on that. I'll have to look more into it because there is a lot going into this. And also for, I think the Sixers, they took a gamble on this trade. They wanted to move Tony Bradley while his stock was up. He was playing good. I like Tony Bradley on the Sixers. But I think there was more into it. You have Daryl Morey who's thinking all all the ins and outs. He knows um, what's best for this team. But I mean, right now, this was they can't predict the future. All right, you have Ben, you have Embiid coming back supposedly healthy. All right, you're you're not going to need that third center, but then he ends up getting injured. You look back now, you just have Dwight Howard, and it's where you have Ben Simmons now starting at center for a playoff game. And there's a lot of things that went into this where the Sixers just were not expecting it. Now, I will say this, Tanner, how crazy would this be to come full circle? We
0: talk about the Kyle Lowry trade at the deadline. It, you know, does it come to fruition? He's an unrestricted free agent. We even just had a conversation about 10 minutes ago about getting that, maybe not a star player, but close to a star player. And I feel like this could be one of those opportunities where if the price is right, we clear out Danny Green's contract and And whoever else that we can get, I maybe even George Hill and create enough space. That could be your close to star player that we're talking about and throw him in the backcourt. And and again, that's uh, this all again, Ben Simmons, depending on how far we get, of course, in these playoffs. Talk about a trade with him possibly. But again, to be able to have a reliable guard that can handle the basketball and kind of almost create his own shot, because Seth Curry is more of just a guy that he's a little bit more than a spot up and shooter shoot kind of guy. He can kind of drive in and get his own shot, you know, periodically. But at the end of the day, when we talk about a guy that you want to throw in the backcourt with Ben Simmons, be able to try to, he can, not only can he shoot the three ball at a high level, but kind of create and score his own shot. At this point, he might not cost you as much as he would have maybe three, four years ago because of his age. He's getting up there a little bit. Actually, coming off a one year, $30 million contract with the Raptors, which is a ton of money for a player of his caliber at this point, at this stage in his career, but still show that he's a legitimate, solid stud player in this league. And that would be so weird if we're talking about this upcoming offseason. Uh, you know, maybe sign him, I guess, for a few years. Because at this point, what the hell, man, we should have just traded for him. We would have had him on the team this year and he would be able to, you know, roll with kind of like our mini four with Harris, Lowry, Simmons, and Embiid. Because I think, I don't know about you guys, but if we got if we got Lowry in this offseason, possibly and sign him to uh, a, a deal that doesn't kill our salary cap, I would be probably fine with keeping Ben Simmons on the team because you have a legitimate option besides him in the backcourt now if that doesn't happen that the, the Ben Simmons trade might be on, on the table a little bit further uh, and push the chips in more with that.
1: I would still probably move Ben Simmons regardless of who they sign. I, I probably would. That's honestly where I'm leaning towards. And that's only because of the fact that no matter what the track record that Ben Simmons has proven is that he's still unreliable as from a jump shot pers- perspective, and he's still unreliable from a free throw line perspective and look, uh, he's going to be a liability in close games where people are going to start, you know, playing bin, which is which ha- has shown its face in these playoffs. And unfortunately, all right, the Sixers have been on the losing end of that strategy, and it's a and it's a strategy that's been working. So look, I, I would still trade Ben Simmons regardless of who they bring in because he's he has not shown any type of development whatsoever, and he would still be a huge liability. Not taken away from the fact that he's a very talented player because he is, of course, but it, he's still a, he would still be a liability regardless of who you bring in here.
0: But Tanner, think about it. You know, think about the whole situation when we talk about getting rid of Danny Green. and Talk about getting rid of George Hill. I don't want to harp on the Kyle Lowry thing too much, but you know, it's kind of one of those things where if he, we can get him here to Philly, I think a place that he would be willing to come to. You look at having Ben Simmons, at least defensively, still doesn't kill you because you have Embiid, Harris, and Simmons, size, length, defensive ability, and then you roll with Seth Curry and Kyle Lowry almost in your backcourt. And on top of that, maybe you don't have Danny Green, who's more of just a spot-up, catch-and-shoot kind of guy, but you have Seth Curry and Kyle Lowry to pair with Ben Simmons still being able to space the floor at a high level, and Ben Simmons is still able to run the show. Kyle Lowry won't need the ball in his hands as much but still capable enough from beyond the arc as far as shooting percentage goes to be able to shoot the three ball. Now that's like that. Again, the same thing kind of reverts back to Jimmy Butler. Will they be able to come together and kind of be cohesive on the same page and everybody share the ball or is there too many mouths to feed?
2: I would be curious to see how Kyle Lowry and Joel Embiid would play together. um, Given, you know, how, how physical the, the series against the Raptors got. And we know how Kyle Lowry is and how he came back to Philly and he was having a fun time being on, on, on the Raptors, and that's for sure. But I think, Max, that could work because you're getting rid of more of inconsistent players. You're bringing Kyle Lowry in, but Danny Green, inconsistent. You have Mike Scott, who probably shouldn't be on this team. Um, and you have a lot of other guys. You clear that bench. You leave the players that deserve to be there like maxi shake you got furcon who you know like it or not max he he can be a valuable piece to this team and i bring kyle lowry in who not only can still play but he brings that veteran knowledge um able to uh spread the word probably get more on ben simmons about being a a better player and, and all with that jump shot and i think that would I, I don't think it would hurt the team. I, I think that, I mean, of course this works better in our heads, obviously uh, when we're just thinking about world. this, but yeah, in a perfect world, I think that that would work out. And again, for everybody out there listening, I mean, of course, podcast, speculation,
0: opinions, things like that. What we're trying to do here is just trying to figure out because you know, you guys see it, you, you listeners out there see this team, this team isn't built to win the championship right now. And all. again, the opportunity here comes with, the thing with kyle lowry being that will he sign a contract that's not i don't want to go as far as saying team friendly but not as huge as you know like 30 million a year kind of player but i feel like if you're able to get him in here you have a good rotation of guards you know you're still going to have maxi on the rookie contract you're still going to have shake milton hopefully on a cheap deal and those two guys are a legitimate option in my opinion coming off of your bench behind two guys and ben simmons and kyle lowry that can go out there and play at a high level you wouldn't be able to, at least the fan base, maybe wouldn't harp on Ben Simmons sucking at shooting so much because of the fact that you have Kyle Lowry will be able to step up offensively, Tobias Harris will be able to step up offensively, and obviously Joel Embiid. So Ben Simmons at that point might be your, even Seth Curry at that point, be able to shoot the ball. He might even be your fifth option. So he wouldn't take too much heat. But at this point, especially when no one steps up and helps Joel Embiid in that Hawks game four, that's when the frustration comes into play. So hopefully we'll see. But that's a kind of maybe maybe something to keep forward to, guys. You know, an early prediction, maybe in the offseason. I hate to look ahead that far, but certainly Kyle Lowry would be uh would be a legit piece to be able to bring in here and help this team. Just kinda how we saw with the Suns, even. You know, they signed that one year contract with Chris Paul and he looks like he's doing a hell of a job there with him and Devin Booker being oh, able yes. to skyrocket them into a solid position I've always Uh, said
1: I've always said amongst my friends that the Phoenix Suns really only needed a point guard somebody that you know Devin Booker can can receive the ball from and somebody that mm -hmm. can distribute and it's coming to fruition it really is the Suns are the ones to watch out the West
2: I mean a few like a year or so ago the headlines were to get Devin Booker out of Phoenix to save his career yes but (laughs) instead of that they bring the players to Devin Booker And this team is a finals team, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, definitely. And and not only get him a point guard, see, but get him maybe the best or one of the best point guards of all time in Chris Paul. So, yes, that sure as hell is helping them altogether. Of course, our boy, uh, our Villanova product, and his own uh, Michael Bridges, doing a hell of a job. Can't believe we traded him for Zaire Smith. It still hurts my soul a little bit. Stupid, but it is Dario too. Uh, uh, Yes, yeah but let's uh, let, let's keep rolling here. We got, we got to mention the Phillies here before we, before we get out of here and shut this thing down. I think, you know, again, this is another one of those things where you come off a loss against the Dodgers, but they had, you, you can't forget what they, what they did over the weekend and last week specifically, you know, three straight walk off wins. The Luke Williams has a huge home run against the Braves. I mean, what are your guys thoughts on the fills? And I, I know they lost to the Dodgers, but uh, I, I got to tell you, at least they've kind of turned the page of being, you know, a little bit of less uh, more, not going to say more consistent because it's too small of a sample size. They only scored one run the other night. The offense looked pretty sluggish. But, you know, they just they need to get one of those things where they're hitting at the same time as they're pitching, as they're fielding, and they haven't really able to put that all together yet this season.
1: And see, that's the thing, man. Uh, I like the fact that they finally changed up their strategy, which is something that I've been stressing these last couple of episodes, and that is to start playing small ball. You know, stop always going for the big, huge home run hit. Like sometimes you just got to get the first base, second base, and set the other guy up to send you home. Like, it, listen, I understand we got power in the lineup, but dog on, y'all. At least put the ball in, put the, ball in the plate, man. Just... Just hit a ground ball sometimes, man, and it, it, it's honestly been working. And you know, Luke Williams coming into play, and I think that's really cool. That, that kid uh, that, that was a hell of a play. I'm not even going for I'm not even going for running. Gene Segura stepping up as well, you know, and getting another walk off. And I, I don't know why it seems like when I go on a rant about any team, they seem to step up. I don't know why that's been happening. Maybe I have some specific power. I don't know. Maybe they listen to this podcast. Maybe we don't know. But all I'm going to say is this, okay. <laughs> like the Phillies, I think they are a good team. I, I do. I just think they need to simplify some things. And oh, by the way, um, Hector Neris is not a closer. I'm going to need y'all to stop putting him at the closing position. Yeah. Like, please, please, for the love of God, stop Ridiculous. putting Hector Neris in closing position. He's not a dog on closer. As a matter of fact, he shouldn't even be an MLB pitcher, but that's another rant for another day. I'm not yeah. talking
2: about that stop rant. Stop putting now. him on the field, period. God. like I'll You know, it's, the bad. The you know it's
0: bad when the guy has Ugh. a 1.96 ERA, and every time he takes the field, we're still like, oh
2: shit we're
0: we're, we're in some serious trouble so i think (laughs) when you look at the bullpen overall we've gotten actually some surprises you have ranger suarez who's actually pitched very well um almost in in a piggyback role off of spencer howard at at some points because for some reason i don't know why spencer howard just hits a wall in like the third or fourth inning looks like he dominates the first couple and all of a sudden his velocity drops like four miles an hour he runs into trouble. And even against the Dodgers, actually pitched pretty well, made one mistake pitch to Will Smith, hit a two-run bomb out to left field at Dodger Stadium. But at the end of the day, when you only score run one run, you're not going to be able to, to win too many baseball games. And they actually just recalled Bailey Fa- uh, Falter, who actually has pitched very well, left-hander, um, at the AAA Lehigh Valley, and they recalled him. So I feel like they're, they're trying to increase that depth in the bullpen. And I, I guess at certain point, it could be to you see Archie Bradley in the closer role. DD Gregorius has a setback in his minor league rehab assignment. So we might not be seeing him for at least another week or two. But again, you're right. And I want to get your guys' opinion on the, the order uh, shuffle a little bit here. I, mean, I think Odubo Herrera has basically solidified himself as a leadoff hitter, Gene Segura too. But we now see Bryce Harper hitting four. Reese Hoskins now hits five. And Reese Hoskins, a guy who struggled mightily, he's 0 for his last 29, I believe, after a couple of He's 0 for 30.
2: He make 30? it even worse 0 for 30 since i didn't, want to, give him the oh, I didn't want to give him the three oh i didn't want to give him
0: the three oh but i think when you look at his struggles this this year inconsistent i guess you can say because he has hot periods he has you know his his low moments as well but oh, head, you look at the lineup head. overall you also have to be pretty impressed with ronald Torres actually stepping yes. up at shortstop played some solid defense there and he's just a smart player he's a joe girardi kind of guy and we another another player we have to, we just have to get jt romito going and, and, and try to get Harper, Hoskins, and Real Muto almost hot, you know, at the same time to really be able to carry the offense.
1: I, uh, yeah, Go ahead.
2: I actually have a bone to pick with, uh, I think, all the players you mentioned, Max. <laughs> and just oh, wow. going through the game as a summary and the most crucial part, this was a prime showcase of the Phillies' weakness and not being able to get the most out of situations. You got runners on second and third, no outs. In the first inning, JT strikes out. Hoskins pops up. And then so, so Bryce, he gets in a run, RBI single. Then you have McCutcheon, he walks. There's bases loaded. Bohm comes up, goes down swinging. And then in the fourth, you have the first two batters get on base. You got Torres and Spencer Howard, who both go down swinging. You got the Phillies were one for 11 with runners in scoring position. It's stupid um, in this game. And this is a game that the Phillies should have won. You got uh, Tony, um, what's his name? Gonsolin? I yeah, believe that's that, right? for the Dodgers. Yep. And he's coming back from sh- uh, shoulder surgery. You got um, Bellinger, um, Muncie, and they're all out. So there should be no reason that, yeah. that the Phillies lose this game because you got. Um, you got Hall of Fame pitchers coming up in the, the these next two games. And it's going to be really hard. The this, The Phillies have not won a series in Dodger Stadium in seven years.
0: Sheesh. Well, I will say this. You 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 missed Trevor Bauer. You missed Walker Bueller in this series against the Dodgers. Yep. You do have to face Urias and you do have to face Clayton Kershaw. The, the thing is, you're, you're still kind of riding a positive note because you had the two out of three against Washington at home. You had the two out of three against Atlanta at home. You sweep out the Yankees in a quick two-game or at home. We're playing good baseball at home. We need to carry that to the road, and we haven't been able to do so uh, thus far this season. Now, tonight, we'll see. We're going to get back out of here. I believe it's Zach Eflin on the mound for the Phils. And, of course, you have your ace all-star pitcher, Zach Wheeler, is going to go out there tomorrow night and see if he can able uh, be able to out-duel Clayton Kershaw. But, again, it's one of those things where I always say you, you want to win the first game of the series because – you don't have to put your pre- the pressure on yourself to win the next two because you're always trying to win two out of three, two out of three. Right. And now we have to try to win two in a row against the Dodgers on the road. It's going to be it's going to be a tall test. Right. And when you hold the Dodgers to you know three runs, I think how many hits they have? They, they had they might only had three or four hits the whole night. I think that's a game you got to win, like Tanner said. And when you don't, you feel like you left one on the table.
1: Oh, yeah, very much so. Easily. Um, yeah. Um, Tanner, did you did you say that Max Muncy was out?
0: Uh, I yes, I believe I did. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Next Some... month he's out. Cody Bellinger actually strained his hamstring, so he's day to day. They're dealing with a hell of a lot of injuries there in, in LA. The Phils still without DD, but again, yeah, mostly they're the Phils are almost completely healthy with regard to their team besides DD. Um, and again, their bullpen, which really didn't let them down last night. You know, after Spencer Howard gets taken out, loud in those three runs, they really didn't give up a run the rest of the game. So it, it's all about consistency with this team. And I think last night. I will say the Phils missed a couple of balls. You know, they put them out to the warning track. They just didn't get them on the sweet spot of the bat. I think Bryce had one specifically. JT had one out to left field that just didn't get out. But they're putting the bat on the ball still. And that's one thing before we wrap up here, Mm -hmm. the strikeouts team. We talk about, you, you, you mentioned a great point last week, you know, just putting the ball in play. Don't strike out. You know, just put the ball in play. Make the defense work. You'll see what happens. Get base runners. That's what the Phils are doing right now. We've seen Alec Boehm start to, you know, almost break out of his slump. He's putting the ball in play. He's not he's not striking out as much as he did, you know, two, three weeks ago. He's starting to put the ball in play. And when you do that, good things are going to happen for you, whether it be, you know, beating out a ground ball, uh, what the small ball, like you said, to bunting and things like that, trying to get guys over um, and just play baseball the right way with the fundamentals. I'm still high on this team. The scheduling gods really did hurt us, though. I mean, come on, the Braves, the Yankees, yeah. the Dodgers, and then – you have to go play the Gabe Kapler led Giants in okay. San Francisco later this week too. It's not easy, what? and then you got to get on the plane and you got to head back home. So it's not, it's not uh, again. Like I said, it's not an easy schedule. But again, you have to keep fighting through it. I think it, because baseball is one of those things that's just such a long season. But I'm still confident. this Team like Tanner said, I think this team can play good baseball. You know, fundamentally, if they could just continue to do the right things, I think they'll they'll be able to get a, a wild card spot. And uh, you know, with that being said, we'll, we'll get back at it next week. And, uh, and wrap up the show here, too.
1: I will say this, though. Since Max Muncie, it's all Chris is somewhere right now, just smiling from ear to ear. I will say that. Oh, you piece of Swiss cheese. All right, you guys missed any of this show. You can always go to Philly Dash Experience. Simplecast.com. Available on all major downloadable platforms Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, the entire Shabazz. Always coming out with a new episode every week, so stay tuned. Boys, we had at number 90. 90th episode. Wow together all right that's something to celebrate i didn't think i would like y'all that much <laughs>
2: well thanks <Tick.
1: laughs> in my opinion that sucked
2: take me out coach
1: shut the f up for life
0: you needs to learn how to wrap that thing up